Hello and welcome to another episode of Daily American Press's Chatting with Abby. Today I want to talk about economics from a variety of different angles, starting with the debt ceiling that we as a nation are about to hit. I think it is wild that every couple of years we reach the number we said we needed to stop borrowing money at. And then politicians fight for a few days to a few weeks and then ultimately vote to raise the debt ceiling. Now, we as a nation are not at war. And sure, you could count Iraq and Afghanistan as a war, but we weren't really actively in any type of emergency situation with Iraq and Afghanistan for many, many years. We have just been borrowing and borrowing and borrowing from other nations, including China, for regular mundane American life. As a nation, we expect our government to give us so much and to spend so much to maintain itself that raising the debt ceiling seems to be just a matter of course. Of course we're going to raise the debt ceiling. Of course we're not going to stop borrowing money. Of course we're not going to start living within our means. Why would we do that? I think it's like when you're very little and you think that your parents have unlimited resources and you think that your parents can do anything and you're like, well, why can't I have this thousand dollar toy? Why, why can't I? Do you just, do you just hate me? And I think a lot of people look at their government and, and say, why can't you just give me everything that I want? Why can't you just make life easy for me? Don't you have unlimited resources? And even though the government is very large and has to date been able to take out absurd amounts of debt, doesn't mean that we can continue to do that indefinitely. The Bible says that the borrower is a servant of the lender. And we as a nation are servants of the people that we've borrowed from. China, arguably our greatest enemy, owns the largest portion of our debt. Japan is right behind them with the second largest portion of our debt. I think everybody who is intellectually honest knows that that's a bad thing, that it's a bad thing that not only are we in so much debt, but we have no intention of stopping or even slowing down. We are not only continuing to take out more debt, but we are taking out more debt at higher and higher rates. We are spending above our budget at higher and higher rates. We are deficit spending. We as Americans pay an incredible amount of tax dollars to our government, but it's not enough for them. They're insatiable. And part of that is because every politician is trying to get reelected. Every politician is trying to be popular. Politicians will find a problem, campaign on that problem, 
propose bills that cost money to solve that problem, and then never look back. The money is just a means to an end, and they don't really care about it. They also don't really care about the problem that they're ostensibly trying to fix. All they care about is getting stuff done and succeeding as a politician and looking good so that they can get reelected and stay in power. So much of what the government does is just moving problems around or exacerbating them or just interfering in, in ways that just not understanding the problem enough to know that what they're trying to do the help to help is really hurting. Everything the government does has unintended consequences. Every time you meddle with the natural order of things, it has unintended consequences. And so much harm has been caused by government overregulation and overtaxation. It is so difficult to succeed and to get ahead in today's society, especially if you're just starting out, because the tax burden is is so high. It's so hard to get started as a small business because the regulations are so crippling. Name something that the government has done and you could find harm that that thing has caused. There are always unintended consequences. So back to the debt what is, what's the purpose of that debt the way i see it all of that money that's being spent a is being spent incredibly inefficiently uh, far less efficiently than any private company would spend it on the same ends because the government has no competition um, that forces it to be efficient the U.S. Postal Service is a great example of this. Just years and years of, of poor business decisions just running the U.S. Postal Service into the ground because there's no competition. There's no incentive to create greater efficiencies. And so because we can't let the U.S. Postal Service fail, the government just keeps bailing it out over and over with tax dollars and with borrowed dollars. The government is incredibly inefficient. The government has to support the massive bloated structure it's created. So every government employee has to stay employed. Once once a agency is built, it can't really be dismantled very easily. So all those people have to stay employed. It's just this huge rotted, bloated carcass at this point that has to be supported with all of these, all of these billions and trillions of dollars. So it's the inefficiency, it's the bureaucracy and and the money it takes to maintain it. And it's the, the endless welfare programs and handing out money to American citizens. All of these things are are pointless wastes of money. We're not even dooming our nation to be crushed under debt eventually for good reasons. It's just spending because politicians feel they're entitled to spend. 
uh, and because getting stuff done helps them. There are, there's so much wrong with this country and it would be easy to just kind of get down a rabbit hole on this. But what I do want to say is that any conservative who is serious about conserving our nation has to vote against spending, has to vote against increasing our debt. There is no way for our nation to continue the way that it's going. We cannot keep borrowing forever and expect that nothing bad will happen. I think that many feel powerless to stop the spending because the narrative is that every single bit of that spending is absolutely essential that the government is responsible for solving poverty. The government is responsible for creating a safety net for its citizens. And in order to do that, it just has to keep spending. And I don't think that that's true. I don't think that poverty is, the existence of poverty is an example of the failure of the government. I think the existence of poverty is evidence of the failure of the church that it was the church's job and responsibility to care for the poor and needy. And we failed, which is why the government felt the need to step in in the first place. There are a lot of ways to help people who are struggling financially. There are all sorts of ways that people struggle financially and there are different solutions But very, very rarely, in very, very few scenarios, is it necessary for somebody to be completely supported by other humans, for somebody to be completely incapable of adding value to the world and ultimately paying for their own food and their own well-being. And those very few people, the private sector is fully capable of caring for. Charities and churches and even generous individuals are far more efficient and careful with the way that they help people than the government ever is. I think that if we were all as generous as we should be, and if churches stopped spending money on flashy facilities and expensive audiovisual equipment and and preacher salaries that are exorbitant, a poverty could be taken care of pretty quickly. Because it's not just a matter of throwing money at something, at someone. Most of the time, the help people need is, is different. Sometimes it's, it's drug addiction that's keeping people on the streets and out of work. Sometimes it's a mental health issue that needs to be treated. Um, many, many, a large percentage of homeless people are mentally ill and or drug addicted. It's, it's a sad, sad state of affairs, but it's certainly not fixable by just throwing 
throwing tax dollars at it. And it's certainly not just to expect one portion of the population to work hard, make sacrifices, deny themselves, make good choices, and still have to give up a significant amount of that effort and labor to support people who who won't work and who won't make good choices. Ultimately, if somebody chooses drugs over housing, then that's their choice. And it's incredibly sad, but it's their own choice and it should be allowed to to be. The greatest the greatest incentive throughout history to work has been hunger. It's only in recent times in first world countries that people have begun to expect the government to keep them from being hungry instead of instead of working. Humans are so lazy and if given the opportunity will will not work or will work as little as possible. The COVID-19 pandemic was was really awful for our economy and our society in part because a lot of people got laid off and went on unemployment. And then they never went off unemployment because why would you go to work? If you can get paid to stay home, it's it's really obvious math and science and psychology, and yet somehow the politicians don't seem to know or care why people won't go back to work. My neighbor is an example, is such a good example of this in a couple different ways. My neighbor works incredibly hard. She is incredibly overworked. She's constantly at work. I never see her. We keep saying we're going to make a pie together and she's just never home. And the reason for that is because she desperately needs an assistant and she has permission to hire an assistant. And she's been trying for months to find an assistant and she can't. She has hundreds and hundreds of applications, but no one will come in for an interview and no one will take the job. It's a good job too. Um, happens to be $15 an hour. Happens to be a desk job with, with good benefits. Um, happens to be a good gig all around. I'd take it if I wasn't so happy with my own career. But she can't get anyone for it. And the reason she has so many applications and no one who's willing to actually take the job is because in order to stay on unemployment, you have to submit a certain number of applications each, uh, I want to say month. It might be week. I don't really know much about unemployment because I've never been on it, but as long as you look to the government, like you're trying to find a job, you don't actually have to be trying to find a job. And so my my neighbor friend is inundated with these applications of people who have no intention of ever getting off their butts and off unemployment. Meanwhile, her little sister is on unemployment. Her little sister had 
was in high school, was still living with her, her parents. She had absolutely no work experience. It was her very first job. She had been working it for a couple months before the pandemic came along and she got laid off. After she got laid off, she went on unemployment and she is on unemployment to this day, being fed money from the government that she doesn't need and and certainly isn't wise with how she's managing because she's just a high school girl. She's spending it on expensive manicures and expensive meals out with her friends. She's She's just wasting it. And and for what? She doesn't need it. She doesn't need to make rent. She doesn't need any of that. But the system is so easy to game. And people are doing it constantly. Around here, almost every single business is desperate for employees. I see signs in every window begging for employees and offering good wages and good benefits. Businesses around here are closed a lot of hours that they used to be open because they simply do not have the manpower. And when they are open, you can tell that the employees are way overworked and really straining under the weight of that work. And it's very unfair to them. And their employers are trying to relieve that burden from them, but people won't work. And I think it's so obvious um, why people aren't going back to work. It's because they're on unemployment. But Joe Biden seems pretty confused why the jobs reports keep coming back so abysmally awful. And uh, it's just... I think that at this point it's it's really obvious and I and I think that the government just really likes how dependent people are on it and we're almost sliding into communism not because anyone's forcing it on us but because people are just so lazy so evil and lazy that they're willing to take other people's tax money and sit at home and not not do anything, not add any value to society. Now, what do I mean by adding value to society? I mean that when you take materials and you add your time and your talents to it, if you're able to sell that product that you created at a greater value than what you paid for the materials for, you have added wealth to society. You have built wealth. Now that product may be intangible. Those materials might be digital, but however you slice it, all work is taking something and and adding to it of yourself. And this is where the the debate about minimum wage comes in and people say it's it's unfair and unjust for people to not be making a minimum wage uh, a, a living wage a wage you can live on and pay your rent and pay your bills on but the thing is you can't make people worth more than they are people create the value that they create that's combination of their ability and their choice and you can make yourself worth more 
by adding skills, um, practicing, becoming more efficient, innovating. You can do all of those things to make yourself more valuable, but the government cannot arbitrarily make you more valuable. And if they try, if the government says the value of a dollar is one fifteenth of what an unskilled worker is able to produce in an hour. That just devalues the dollar. It doesn't change how much the unskilled laborer is able to produce. Minimum wage is just arbitrarily declaring essentially that the dollar is worth less. The dollar is just a symbol of value. It You can't, if, if from one day to the next, I was paid a hundred more dollars than I'm being paid now, that wouldn't make what I am producing worth more. And if you force employers to pay more than their employees are worth, then they lose money and they will either fail or they will find a way to not fail, which usually means they won't hire unskilled workers. They'll only hire people who are worth that amount to them. And so rather than helping people make a living wage, it will just make it so that no no one at the bottom will be able to find any work at all. And this was the case with Obamacare when the government said you have to give all of your full-time employees health insurance. Then those companies immediately took people off full-time and made them just barely part-time. Instead of 40 hours, it was 39 hours. This is the natural response of the market to government interference because if a company can't afford to give its employees health insurance, then it can't afford it and it'll find a way to survive or it'll die. And most of the time the government doesn't seem to realize or care what the actual effect of their policy will be. And the people demanding minimum wage don't seem to realize what the actual effect of something like that would be, both for the devaluation of the dollar and for the availability of of jobs. Now, right now, because people are unwilling to work, we're seeing a natural adjustment by the market. Places are offering more money than they've ever been offering before just to compete with unemployment checks, which is which is just about <laughs> as bad it uh it still is is incredibly bad for our economy. And I'm not sure if I could explain it any better. I think I could probably find more ways to confuse you. Or maybe you've kept up with me. That is awesome. I have to admit, I am really tired. 
And I think I'm going to end the podcast here. I'm not sure if this was worthwhile. I hope that uh, we can talk more on Twitter this week. And um, let me know what you think about all of these things. And I hope to have some higher quality content for you before too long. All right. Bye-bye.